Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Get an in-depth preview of the Chicago Bears' next opponent and John Buffon's passionate rants on Buffon 55 Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Central. Welcome to this special Thursday episode of Greg Gabriel Talks Football. Greg, how are you, my man? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Oh, if my dog interrupts us, it's because I got the doors open. Just so you know, if he starts barking, I'm going to have to get off for a second and shut the doors, bring him in here, lie him down. I'll do a little song and dance. Uh, you were telling <laughs> me about your dog. He loves uh, just laying out in front of the fireplace and uh, and getting all that heat, huh? Uh, yep. And a great watch. He was born. He was born in Kentucky, so I, I say it's it has to do with that. <laughs> what part of Kentucky? I have no idea because he was a rescue dog. Yeah, that's pretty cool. A rescue dog, huh? Yeah. Good for you. Uh, more people need to do that. Uh, at least that's what I've been told. <laughs> so. We thought we were we thought we were getting a lab mix because he looks like a yellow lab. <laughs> There's not. I had the DNA done. Not an ounce of lab in him. Not an ounce, huh? Not an ounce, nothing. Wow. It's got a lot of mastiff in him, and that's why we... <laughs> we already got questions coming into the chat room. Bruce Ali, I, I want to just bring up I, 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 one political thing here. Sure, go what right the ahead. Not for politicians in this city. First, well, they... we get you know we got a, a, a mayor that says, <laughs> "Oh, the league's not going to let them move out to the suburbs. That's never going to happen." <laughs> Yeah, well, she got straightened out on that in about 15 <laughs> seconds. Now you got some dingbat councilman saying, well, let's have the city buy the team. Where's the city got three plus billion and maybe more than that? They can't even shovel the, the, 
the streets correctly or follow the streets correctly, <laughs> let alone buy a football team and run it. Yeah, and I think it's against the NFL rules to have uh, a uh, a city purchase a. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, but the, you know this guy, what, what's he trying to do? Use this for re-election or something? Yeah, I, yeah. You know, he's got to be a total imbecile to even come up with something like this. Yeah, I guess I, uh, they tore him apart on the score yesterday. Yes, as well as they should have because that was just ridiculous. And he was on. I, I'm surprised he stayed on. I, I didn't listen to it, but. I, you know, he he probably if if I was him, I probably would have got off the phone. Yeah, I, I I'm with you. You know, they taught him a lot about what can and cannot be done, and so he must have walked off that show with his tail between his legs, if he has a tail. That's typical <laughs> politician. You ain't kidding. All right, I, let me start with this question from uh, Bruce Ali Walter Jordan. He says, so if Larry Borum was a third-round pick, how would you evaluate his play so far? I, I gotta, I, I just got to add, it doesn't matter what round he is. Right, right? he's a draft pick. That's right. The Bears the Bears had him rated as around a third-round pick. They got him in the fifth round. But that that's not unusual. Everybody's mm-hmm. board is different. We've talked about that, you know, at, at, at draft time. All there's no two boards alike in the National Football League, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, you're in, in the fifth round. You're hoping to get a guy that you you uh, have rated as a third rounder, mm-hmm. and you're, and you're hoping that you in the sixth round you get a guy that you got rated as a third to fourth rounder, and and I'm sure that's where they had Khalil Herbert on their board, mm-hmm. and you know, every other team in the league's the exact same way. Everybody loves their draft the day after the draft. You don't find out till six months later. You know it was worth a damn, but right now, you know we haven't seen Tevin Jenkins yet, even though he's practicing now. Um, which is a good thing. We haven't seen him yet, but the overall the draft hasn't been too bad. And that's the big question I've been hearing all over the place, social media, radio talk shows, blah, 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 is what about Tevin Jenkins? Where do you put him in this lineup? Do you tell where they were going to, where were they, where they're going to play him in the first place? Left tackle. Okay. So you tell Peters to sit down or moving it, move him into no, guard? Well, first of all, you got to make sure the guy's ready to play. Yeah. He, okay, he, he he didn't have a preseason. He didn't have a training camp. Right. So the last time this guy's played any uh, type of football was during OTAs and, and minicamp mm-hmm. back in the spring. Mm-hmm. So we know he's in shape because he's been doing stuff for the last few weeks, you know, along the side of the field, getting in shape. I'm sure his cardiovascular shape is good. His strength is good. But now – you got to get them inserted into a game somehow. You know, they're going to – I'm not going to say they're going to sit. I think they're going to wait and see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, with the, and if once you get, you know, mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, then I think they insert them in to get them some play time. But, I, I, you know, the guy playing there right now has been playing pretty good. He's arguably – played better than anybody on, on the line so far, mm-hmm. you know, consistently. And to go back to the one question about Borum, mm-hmm. I don't care if he is a first round pick or a, a seventh round pick or an undrafted free agent. It was a steal where they got him. The guy's a hell of a football player and he's only going to get better. Yeah. It, uh, it really does appear. Now he went through a, a an interesting transformation in his body because after the season was up, uh, the college football season, he really lost a lot of weight and added a lot of muscle, lost fat and added muscle. Right. And, and, 
you know, Juan Castillo, every time he, he opens his mouth about, and I'm not saying this in a negative way, about how much the guy's weight, he adds about 10 pounds. You know, so <laughs> who knows what he really weighs? Because he, he the other day you say, oh, he weighs 341. Well, you know, training camp, he was 331. Mm-hmm. And he had dropped to 322 from the 350 or 360 weight at Missouri when, when he had his pro day. So he's above 320. He's probably around 330. He's a big dude. Uh, but if you watch tape uh, of him at Missouri last year, and you can see it on YouTube, he's, he, he's a big, he was a little, lot fatter, put mm-hmm. it that way, than mm-hmm. he is right now. He, he's yep. done a really good job. Uh, and you can do that if you do it correctly. You can do that in six, seven, eight months. I'm perfect testament to that. You are I indeed. Lost, I lost, you know, 40. And and um, he, I'm, I'm bragging, I'm saying I look good. But, <laughs> <laughs> you do, actually. And, <laughs> From one man to another. <laughs> don't get don't get sweet on me. And, uh, <laughs> but, hey, I, no, I, I, I like the pick. Yeah, the only guy I'd like to see, you know, come up to the varsity at some time before the season's over is Daz Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be great. Do what he can do. And, and, and sometimes it's hard for receivers, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what their, their route tree was in college and, and what their adjustments they had, if they had adjustments, et cetera, and then making that adjustment to the pro level, they're just not ready. And the Bears got some veteran receivers in front of them that they feel more comfortable with. Uh, so we may or may not see them. It might, you know, might have to wait till next year when it's going to be like, um, you know, Vildor, where, you know, you know, you didn't see him at all last year, except for maybe some special teams. You saw him at the end of the year, but then, you know, he's a regular this year. Um, regarding Tevin Jenkins, I want to get back to that subject just a moment. Uh, Brad Biggs, your good buddy, uh, wrote in, I think, his 10 thoughts comment, or maybe it was his Q&A, about Tevin Jenkins, and that there are limited padded practices left for the next three, four weeks, like only one or two because of the CBA. So that's going to make it even harder to assess whether Jenkins is ready to play or what position might he might be better suited for. Well, he's going to be, he's gonna be working at, at the tackle position. So that's... But you can do this. What's a padded practice and what they do, you can do things with offensive linemen. You know, they wear these shells, mm-hmm. those like fake shoulder pads. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and they can do one-on-ones with mm-hmm. those. Okay. And so he can work on his hand use. And and after practice, shoot, he can do it with, with the practice squad and the young defensive linemen. He can do that stuff for an hour under a coach's eye if he wants. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, I think that is where Brad is 100% correct. You only get – once the season starts, you get like 12 or 13 padded practices for the rest of the year, mm-hmm. which I think is ridiculous. But it is. That, that's that's what the rules are. So, you you know, everybody's got to play by the same rules. Yeah. But like I said, you could you got a helmet on. You got those shells on. Um, you There's stuff you can do. And so I would imagine that the number one priority, I mean, I think this is pretty much common sense, is that you want to uh, really evaluate his health after 
every single practice. How's that back feeling? Do can you do you flexibility? All that all that stuff. Take us through. Well, that. that's what the, that's you got that three week window. That's what that's all about. Okay. At the end of so this is the first week. At the end of the now, you saw what happened with Montgomery. That first week back, he was brought up to the varsity, and you know he was uh, activated on Saturday, the day before the game, and and played Sunday. Started on Sunday. So theoretically, they could do the same thing with Jenkins. I doubt they would, mm-hmm. you know, unless there was an injury or something this week, and they had to bring up another lineman. But you're going to find out exactly where he is during that three week period. Then they got to make a decision. You either shut him down and he reverts back to IR. You got to bring him up to the varsity. Hmm. There's no in between. One of the one of the I think big challenges this coaching staff has is if they lose another game or two, are they going to start looking at players who could be building blocks for the future, like a Daz Newsome, and, and insert players who might give them less of a chance to win, but will. But it can help the uh, Ryan Pace and, and 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 management make decisions on these players' futures. It, 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 do you see it that way? Yeah, yeah. I, I I think that that's the case in in almost every club where the you know they got a losing record right now. Yeah, you gotta you gotta start playing some young people and see what they can do. But you can't do it until you're mathematically eliminated. Personally, I'll jump ahead. They're gonna win this Sunday against Baltimore. Ooh, tell me why you feel that way. Well, number one, they played pretty damn good at home. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. And Baltimore, the last few weeks, hasn't been going this way. They've been going this way. They have indeed. Okay. Now, I don't know what Lamar Jackson did today practice-wise, but he didn't practice yesterday because mm-hmm. uh, of illness. But he's had some, you know, aches and pains, too. Uh I know if I, if I was coordinating the defense for that, I'd, I'd put a spy on him. Hmm. Yeah, you, you put one athletic linebacker on him, and where he goes, that guy goes. Yeah, that's the way to do it, right? Right. and, and uh, Or it could be a, a, a safe, one of the safeties, you know, you bring in another safety mm-hmm. and, and do that. But you, got, you can't let him have free reign because he can bust a play at any time. Right. Well, uh, this was uh, Sean Desai earlier today on Thursday addressing the media. Uh, he was asked about Lamar Jackson. He's a unique and special talent, uh, and you see why he's in the MVP conversation. He's you know deserving of that, uh, and his game has developed so much. They've done a great job there with him. Uh, obviously, his he can beat you with his feet. He can beat you with his arm, uh, and he's he's uh, throwing the ball accurately. You know, over the top of the def- defenders, and he's hitting a lot of underneath throws also. So he, he, I think he's he's uh, playing the full complement of what you want a quarterback to play like in this league. You know, he can extend plays obviously, and even when he's extending it, he's not like some some other guys uh, where he's looking to run right away. You know, he's still looking to kind of gas you uh, in the pass game, and he's got the confidence to beat you in the run game. Did when you evaluated him coming out of college, did you foresee that he was going to have this proficiency at playing the quarterback position? Not, I didn't think he'd be the passer that he's become. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to bring it up anyway. Because there was, I'm going to say, it for, for lack of a better word, a given in the in the scouting community about quarterbacks 
that inaccurate quarterbacks in college don't all of a sudden become accurate in the pros because of the tighter windows, style of offense, the defenses you're playing against, et cetera. Well, there's two quarterbacks right now playing in the league that were inaccurate quarterbacks in college that are two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And that's Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Interesting. And, you know, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the player himself and that he's taken it upon himself to get better and work on his deficiencies. I know that's what Josh Allen has done. I'm sure that's if you, you go back and, and you look at a tape of Lamar Jackson when he was in Louisville and you tell me he was going to be a good passer in the NFL. There's no way you could have come up with that. Even in, in his, you go back, uh, even the, the beginning part of last year, he was struggling with the, with the passing game, you know, all over the place. And then all of a sudden it, it, it comes on. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I know in Josh's case, he changed his mechanics a little bit and he didn't do it. He worked with his, his quarterback coach, which is Jordan Palmer. I don't know who Lamar, uh, Lamar Jackson has, but you can fix these things. Mm-hmm. And, it's a proven fact now where we used to think, and it was, you know, throughout the league, that was the common thinking that, you know, got, that guy's never going to become accurate. And, and, you know, you go back to those drafts, the list, oh, he's, he's inaccurate. He's going to struggle. Well, guess what? Those guys are two pro bowlers. Yep. Exactly. And, and they're still very young in their careers. Mm-hmm. Well, that is good news. And I, do you think that because the uh, pro game is started to adopt a lot of college schemes that that's helped quarterbacks uh, become more accurate? You know, it, it's a good question, but the similarity is that you're playing a lot more spread offenses in, in the league and playing from the gun. But the complexity of the passing game hasn't changed. The route tree hasn't changed. What the receivers are doing hasn't changed. It, it's just, you know, it's how they look at the field. But I, I, I think it's, you know, you used to say, yeah, you had to sit the quarterback and, and let them learn. Well, now it's, well, part of it, you know, it's like you got to make a decision. You got four years to make a decision. So you're, you're, you're almost rushed at getting him in too soon. And, and, and some guys may bomb. I mean, you know, a couple of these guys in this class so far this year, you know, they've been, they've been average, mm. you know, Trey Lance can't get on the field. Nobody knows what he can do. Yeah. And that's probably because of his background. That's the best thing. But the guy in New York, well, he, he hasn't done anything. Mm-hmm. He's been terrible. And I think Trevor Lawrence has been up and down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right now, the two best quarterbacks from last year's cl- from last April's class are Jones and Fields. Ironically, the last two taken. Yeah, how about taking that? Four, taking fourth and fifth, and fourth and fifth are, are are the best two. Right, right. And I think that that's going to go on because I, I I think that today Jones is the better player. And because part of it was the offense, he played in a very pro style offense at, at um, Alabama. And so that had him a little bit more prepared. Mm-hmm. But I think when you look at the ceiling, that Justin will surpass him. Will it be next year? Maybe. Mm-hmm. But I, I think you've seen 
just a huge jump in, in Justin Fields the last two ball games. Yeah. And I'm looking for more of it. I'm really interested in, in, in seeing what they do because they do all that self-scouting during the bye week and both offensively and defensively. And they'll, th- they'll throw stuff out of the playbook. They'll just eliminate it. We're not going to use this for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's, you know, what are they going to do differently offensively and defensively because in Justin's case, because he has shown improvement and, and he, he sees the field better. He makes quicker decisions. There's still things he can't do. And I know, and I'll go back to just the way he throws the ball. He's got that <laughs> thing. And, and, and that's gotta be an off season yeah. adjustment, yeah. you know, because it, you just got, it's gotta be something you work on day after day after day. Every time I watch Aaron Rodgers, it just, I'd like to take a stopwatch just to see how quick. I guarantee it's less than a half a second from the time he takes the snap from center and the ball's out of his hand on some of those bubble screens. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's all—it's like one motion. He gets a snap, boom. Yep, and he flicks it. Yeah, right away. And and Justin can't do that yet. And and when he can, that's what makes those plays go. Mm-hmm. I remember he gets the ball out of his head. Right. I remember reading an article. It's vague in my mind right now, but the, it was about Aaron Rodgers' throwing motion at Cal was totally different than what he has shown in the pros because he went through a rehabilitation of his throwing motion at, at once he became a, a, a Green Bay Packer. Do you recall anything like that with with? You know, I, I, I don't, but it's I. You know that that tape's available. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. You can go back and look at it and, and it'd be interesting. In fact, yeah. I'll do it. I'll do yeah. it before the next show and just cool. You know, look at him and say, hey, what, what what's different about it now? It's very tight now. Yeah, man. He okay. is and, and, and you know, like Drew Brees is the same way, Brady's the same way. They just get the ball out of their hands so quickly. Mm-hmm. And 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 part of his experience, part of it is changing your mechanics a little bit. But it's it's not something that you can, you know, on Monday say, well, okay, I'm going to change it, and Sunday it's done. Because you're you're going to always revert back to what you've been doing, what the habit is, mm-hmm. you know. And and so he's, it it takes. I know, like with Josh Allen talked about this extensively. He, it took him months mm-hmm. during the off season where he worked on it every single day with his quarterback coach just to, to change some things. And that brought him up. I mean, he, he, his accuracy from 2019 to 2020 jumped 10 points. Wow. You never see that. Yeah. Went from 59% to almost 70% in, in two, you know, from 2019 to 2020. Mm-hmm. Amazing. What, the, um, Oh, darn it. I lost my uh, thought on the next question. Oh, well, I, I'm all old age. You're catching up. To me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you ain't kidding. I was going to ask uh, about Trevor Lawrence. Do you think that he would be having the same kind of output of, as Mac Jones, if he were a new England Patriot? Damn straight. Yeah, me too. You know, but, but, you know, I, I, I think some of it though, with, with Mac, he's very, very smart. Now I'm not saying Trevor Lawrence isn't, but that was the strong point of, of Mac Jones was how smart he was, you know, and, and his ability 
to read defenses right off the bat. You know, so instincts, that type of thing is just his overall intuitiveness. You know, that put him at the top of the class. And, you know, he had all those rumors that he might go three to San Francisco. And that's why. Mm-hmm. Because when you watch that tape, you saw that decision making. Yep. He, does, he doesn't make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, and he's carried it over. And, and part of it is, is the coaching staff they have at New England, which is very, very strong. Yeah, indeed. 4,000 Clover says, Lawrence will be the next Peyton Manning. He'll soon break all kinds of regular season records, but he'll fold in the preseason, in the postseason. He doesn't want it bad enough. I wonder no, why 4,000 Clover. That's, that's Matt Stafford. <laughs> he, just, he, just, he just described Matt Stafford. <laughs> Boy, you are so right about that. <laughs> what do you think? By the way, the, uh, the Detroit Lions actually tied their opponent last week. Do you think that will be the closest they come to sniffing a victory this year? <laughs> I, I think because it's a short week and it's in Detroit on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. The Bears game is going to be a tough game. Yeah, it always is down there. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but that's on Thanksgiving. I mean, their record on Thanksgiving at home, the Lions record is pretty darn good, I think. Now, I'm probably totally off, and I probably got a losing record. But, <laughs> I, you know, I, I just think, you know, I've been watching that game on Thanksgiving for years, and, and a lot of times they're a pronounced underdog, and they win the game. Mm. All right, I want, uh, before we uh, talk about the offense, uh, I want to share with you one more soundbite from Sean Desai. And we know that the Dolphins had success playing man-to-man defense against the Ravens last week, and they blitzed a hell of a lot. So Desai was asked about, you know, potentially playing man coverage versus Lamar. And what not that dangerous because you're, you're basically defensive backs are – are turning their back to the quarterback. This is his response. You guys have played more man coverage this season than you did last year. Is that uh, tricky against a guy like him if, you, if you're asking your cornerbacks to, to turn their backs to him? Uh, it can be, you know, but, uh, I mean, you look at the Dolphins game, that's all they played. You know, and they had some success versus that. So, uh, you know, it, it, the scheme stuff I've told you guys, right, that's, that's half the battle. Right, and getting the guys in position, that's my half of the battle. I got to make sure our guys know that and execute that. And then the execution's the other half. I mean, you got to win one on ones in this league. Uh, whether it's a zone one on one or a man one on one, at some point you're going to get isolated. Uh, and at some point you, we're going to get isolated versus Lamar Jackson in the open field and versus their running backs in the open field. And we got to make tackles. We got to get the guys down. We got to swarm to the ball. We got to have that type of relentless mentality and that pursuit. Uh, and when, when we get a blocker on us, we got to be physical. We got to get off blocks and make plays. I thought that was uh, really honest on his part because that has been that has been a problem with the Bears' defense not winning their one-on-one battles. In fact, sometimes some of the defenders appear to my untrained eye as being a little lazy when it comes to shedding a blocker. Your thoughts? Well, I, I just don't think when they were playing really good early in the year. They weren't really doing anything wrong. Yeah. Okay. I, lately, it's been they haven't. Uh, the, the word I would use is finish. You know, you got to start the play, you got to finish the play, and and 
you got to have solid effort throughout the play and you got to, and, and, and finishing is, is ending up, you know, making the play for an offensive lineman, you know, you can come off the ball real good and get initial movement. But if you don't stay with that block, you're not finishing the block, you know? And, and so that's what the defense as a whole has got to do. Now I'm listening to that soundbite. You know, he's not going to give away what he, what he's going to do in the game. Why, why should he do that? Right. But part of me thinks that, you know, in order to play man coverage, you got to have good man corners to do that. And, and let me back up just to say one thing. One guy I got to, you got to give credit to on the defense that really was struggling earlier in the year and he got benched and now he's playing good is, is Duke Shelley. Mm. The last few games, he's been really strong. But anyway, get, get back to the defense. The first thing I thought of listening to those sound bites is the pass rush isn't necessarily as important this week as keeping Lamar Jackson in the pocket. Mm -hmm. Do you follow what I'm saying? So you don't let him break contain. Don't let him get out on the perimeter. Mm -hmm. Make him throw the ball. That's key. Because where he makes his plays is when he's ad-libbing. Mm-hmm. Schoolyard, okay. really good. He's really good throwing the ball on the run. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if if you can contain him, keep him. You know, put a say, draw you here mm-hmm. and keep him inside that you. Then you got a lot better chance of beating him. So because he he's a tough guy to sack just because of his his uh, maneuverability and his elusiveness. Yeah. So to me, it it's keep him in the pocket, make him throw the ball. Don't let them get on the perimeter. Is um, the interior pass rush, is that, um, how important is that against a guy like Lamar Jackson? Well, you want to get a push. Mm-hmm. But again, now th- there, there's been a couple times, and I, I I don't remember if it was it was the last game of the, or the game before, where the pass rush was actually good, but you had three of the defensive linemen like, shoulder to shoulder by the time they were three or four yards into the, the offensive backfield there. Mm-hmm. And then the quarterback was able to escape. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember if he ran or he made a big play. I just remember that they were, they were all grouped together and that shouldn't happen because that leaves a big gap. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I want to turn our attention to the offense, and in particular, I'd like to talk about Cole Komet because Cole got an awful lot of criticism from fans early in the season, and I was like, you guys really need to calm down. It takes a tight end two, three years to get acclimated to the offense, and Bill Lazor was asked about Cole Komet today, and this is what he had to say, and I'd love to get your reaction on the other side tight end is is you do so many different jobs and uh, the the easiest way to gauge a tight end is by the amount of balls they catch and yards they have and touchdowns but if the offense at times chooses to use you as a protector the fact is Cole can can pass protect defensive ends Uh, if at times they use you front side or back side on blocking that's that's part of the job and as we've talked about in here for for a number of weeks you know we've we've chosen to run the ball at a high rate and and uh, 
so then that's their part. So um, some of his development and growth probably just doesn't show up in the whatever stat lines, but it has. I think it's continued to go. Um, so I, I, I feel good about the way he approaches meetings, the way he communicates with the quarterback, the way he uh, deals in the tight end room. So I, I just think that this is what a pro player does. This is how an NFL tight end advances. I love that guy. I, I love the way he, he's on. I'm going to use the word evolve instead of advances, but I, yeah, I, I agree with them 100%. Yeah. And it is to, to, to the common fan, he's looking at six catches for 75 yards and a touchdown. Okay, when there's so much more to it. A tight end is not, you know, he's part offensive lineman, part receiver. Now, in today's game, a lot of these guys are flexed out all the time. And so, really, they're more receiver. The Bears don't do that, and Cole Komet isn't that guy, even if they did do that a lot. You know, when they're playing with two tight ends, he's the Y. Mm -hmm. He's the guy at the end of the line of scrimmage. And so, he is a blocker, and he's a very good blocker. And, you know, he can knock people off the ball, knock them on their ass. He can pass, protect. And that's all part of, of grading a player. So if, if he was in a role of strictly being a, a move tight end, common H-back, common F, whatever, you know, terminology is in certain offenses, then, you know, you may have an argument, but that's not his position with, with the Chicago Bears. And you're right, Aldo, it, it takes time. And part of it, and and everybody forgets about this, you got a damn rookie quarterback. <laughs> okay. And that game is going, doom, 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 you know, it's zipping all around him. And, you know, it, it, how long did it take him to find A Rob? Yep. Exactly. It's the last game. It's just the last game that he started getting some targets. Exactly. And yeah. it's been the last three games that Komet's been getting targets. Mm -hmm. Part of that is is Justin Fields growing on the field. And, right. and you know, the game's slowing down for him. Right. Like uh, this play here, this completion to Cole over the middle, I mean, that took that took, you know, some guts on 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 Justin's part to just fire that ball in there because he had a defender to his left and one to his right. No, he, he, you know, to use the proverbial thread, the needle. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he, he, uh, he did that on that. It's a, that's a tight window throw, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, and may you would say that's a pro throw, you know, and, and, and it is, and, and that doing first attempting a throw like that second, completing the throw, throwing and, and, and the ball placement being good, that is showing the growth of Justin Fields as a quarterback. Mm -hmm. And then he completed that long pass uh, here on second down and two. Great play call. And he hits uh, Cole Komet. I, I really love that. Got it in slow motion here. Let me go a little further up. Um, but uh, this is the type of stuff that we should be, we should start seeing on a more regular basis as these two guys start to communicate better with one another. Right. Well, and again, it, it, it's it's not necessarily Komet. There's games where Komet's been open and Justin just hasn't seen him. Yep. Okay. Or got the ball or gone to somebody else. And, and, and it's as Justin grows, the productivity of the receivers is going to grow. 
mm-hmm. be it Comet or A Rob or anybody, Mooney. It's all, it's all really going to be, you know, the same thing. And you know, let's go back. Everybody said you got to play Justin. You got to play Justin. Oh, okay. They put in Justin. Now you better be patient, and you got to go up with you got to live with the bad as well as the good. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be more bad than there is good. Mm-hmm. Even the rest of the season, right? Right, yeah. and because he's still learning the game. Yeah. It. Um, what are your expectations, realistic expectations for Justin Fields, based on what you have seen him do so far, plus? the roster around him and um and and the coaching around him do you do you see there being a possibility that he can make a monumental leap from where he is now to a quarterback who could be a uh, top tier two quarterback at the end of the season is that possible i don't know if it's good by, by the end of the season because not you know let's look at um kansas city's quarterback he played one game as a rookie, mm-hmm. but he spent that whole year learning. And then he got to play year two. And just because he spent that year learning, he was able to, you know, all hands on deck right away. You know, and, and I think, you know, you just, you only can gauge it on what you've seen. Mm-hmm. And we, in the last two games, We've seen Justin make some big throws. You know, just think about the Pittsburgh game. The only thing they did wrong with that is they scored too fast. But he had to, (laughs) if they were going to win the game, he had to take them. That was what, an 80-yard drive, 75-yard drive? Mm -hmm. He had to take them the length of the field and get the ball in the end zone. And he did. He just did it too fast. Yeah. But you know, gave Pittsburgh too much time, but uh, you know, a, a more part of that's the learning process too. Don't score too quickly. Right. And, and at this point in his career, I'm like score whenever you can as quickly as possible, because there's no guarantee, you know, people are, people are saying on social media, they should have, you know, run out a couple plays before putting it into the end zone. So that's easier said than done. You could, well, yeah, because you know, you, you know, everything, the play was called. He, he saw the guy and he, he threw the ball. It was a touchdown. It was a beautiful. Okay, throw there's too. nothing wrong with that. You, you just wish it would, it, 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 that's hindsight and, yep. and hindsight doesn't mean shit. You know what? We all want the same thing. The referees cost the Bears that game. Yep. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. And and the refs and the refs, except for the the taunting call, and you know, I, you probably saw my thing. I said, I guarantee you that he will appeal that fifty nine hundred dollar fine. And I don't I don't know how they come up with these these fines either. I mean, it's got to be a percentage of what your your base pay is, because it was fifty nine hundred and sixty two dollars or something. Like yeah. That. How, how do they? You know, where do they get these figures? Because it's not the same for every guy. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's not probably making a lot of money. Cassius. No, he's making. He, he, yeah, Cassius Marshes. He, he's brought up all, off the practice squad, so he's getting veteran minimum for that game. Mm-hmm. So, but when you even when you think about that, that fifty nine hundred dollars is a lot of freaking money oh yeah when you're you know on a practice squad one week and and you're on the 53 the next week 
Mm -hmm. practice, that's a big chunk of the practice squad money. Mm -hmm. Hell, he's been a whole. If he was getting practice squad money, he would have been in the hole. Yeah. For well, the week. But I, anyway, I, I guarantee you he's going to appeal it. And my thinking is either the fine will get totally rescinded. Because I, I get what, what Perry Fuel said, you know, that was good. He's got to say that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But when they do it, um, when he appeals it, it goes in front of an arbitrator. And so now the arbitrator can cut the fine to a, a, a more fair level. He can rescind the fine total, totally or say, no, this is what you got to pay. So it's like one of three different things. Mm -hmm. But as far as other calls, the league has already admitted. There are at least three calls that were totally wrong. Mm -hmm. And one was the the the, the block that caught the, the non-block that cost the Bears the touchdown. That's right. And maybe the game, right? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, back to the defense here. CJ Williams has a question because I'm hearing a lot of this. Fans are starting to lose their patience with Kendall Vildor. He's had a couple of tough, challenging games. Uh, what do you think about Artie Burns maybe coming in for Vildor? I know you're high on Vildor and you think that he can he can pull out of this? Yeah, I think he's got to play. You know, mm -hmm. you, you get better by playing. Um, Burns is it doesn't even get active. Yeah, that's got to tell you something. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, and it's a former first-round pick that the Steelers gave up on. Mm -hmm. So now if he was had a strong preseason and he was active for all these games, well, then you'd say, okay. Don't forget, in, in practice, they're running seven-on-seven. Seven, they're running 11-on-11. Uh, these guys are at coverage, and, and Burns, at, in his role, he's playing on the scout team uh, for most of practice, so he's, he's getting a lot of reps. Mm -hmm. If he was showing enough that he should play on Sunday, they'd be dressing him on Sunday. Yep. And you've got to make a determination on whether Vildor it should be your starting cornerback next season, or you're going to prioritize that in your offseason work in terms of acquiring another cornerback uh, to replace him. Right, you're you're, 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 well, you're going to either go to free agency or you're going to go to the draft, one or the other. Um, you know, in, in the draft, in fact, I, I was talking to uh, to Ballard yesterday, and and you know, you say, well, we got to get a corner, and he goes, I just haven't taken one high, and I said, Chris, we've had these conversations for twenty years. You know, you got to take one high <laughs> if you want a good one. You know, it, it just, yeah. if, if you're getting one where they took Vildor, you're getting lucky. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and I, I brought up a study I did. My last draft with, was in New York was 2001 and just a couple of weeks before I came here. And we took a corner in the first round uh, uh, in New York and uh, out of Syracuse, his last name was Allen. But I did a study. They asked me to do a study on how many corners went in each round. And this is and this is 20 years ago now. And it holds true today. Because mm. I go back to it and I check it all the time. But in, in the first three rounds of every draft, 12 to 15 corners go. It averages out 12 to 15 corners in the first three rounds every single year. So it, it, you just think about it. You're going to wait till the fourth round to take a corner? 
the best shot you got is like 13 and you're probably getting 16 or 17. What is, what, what is, you know, um, the thinking among player personnel directors, scouting directors on position groups and who you can more likely find a starter in those mid and maybe even late rounds. Well, I, I, interior offensive lineman you can get a little later you got to go value a position defensive interior defensive lineman uh interior offensive lineman receivers i think if you're you got to be lucky but you can get them at at any time yeah and we've seen that all over the league you see guys uh, corners, you got to get lucky. You got to find a guy, and you know, use the word traits. Mm-hmm. And see, that's what Kendall Vildor is. He has traits. He's not height wise. He's not ideal. He's like five ten, five right. ten and a quarter, something like that. But he's got thirty two inch arms, mm-hmm. and he runs real fast, and he can jump out of the building. So he's got the physical skills that you want. Now he's got to play. And you get better by playing more. Yeah, and I'm trying. I'm trying to see if I can find that highlight of. Um, let me see if I have it here. Uh, the one play that he gave up to chase Claypool, Kendall Vildor. I thought that his coverage on that. Oh, the one in the end zone. For yeah, the touchdown? yeah. His coverage. There's nothing wrong with his coverage. Yeah. Chase Claypool is about six foot ten. <laughs> That's the problem. You know, and and, and he's got you know he. He can tie his shoes standing up. His arms are so long. That was right. Uh, I don't think this is his it. Coverage, his coverage was very good on that play. Yeah. I, I that was, it was an excellent throw by Roethlisberger, and it was a great adjustment to the ball. Yeah, this is not that, it. That, that's not the play. No, it's not. That's actually Duke Shelley on him. Yeah, wrong play. And Anyway, but you know what play I'm talking about. I thought his yeah, coverage I, was I, really yeah, good. It, it was good. There's nothing wrong with his coverage on that play at all. Mm-hmm. So, you're not going to put it this way you know you're plus and minus every play when the coaches yeah do the grading they aren't putting a, a minus on that play yeah see I, I i'm he's on my list of players that i think some fans are unfairly blaming because they got to give some time for development they got to give some time they got to assess the opponent they got they, there's so many factors that go on i can't imagine ever being a scout like you have been and and to lead a team of scouts there's so many details when it comes to evaluating players it's unbelievable well, you, you know you, you, you got to look at a lot of the little things you know, you're not just, it, it, it's the sum of the parts, mm-hmm. you know, and you got a, a, a checklist on all sorts of different things mm-hmm. and you got to go through that. And by the way, as long as we're talking scouting, mm-hmm. the, um, and I just found this out yesterday and that's ended up why I was talking to Ballard. Cause I get, I get two calls cause you know, I'm, I'm helping out with the East West game a little bit. Right. And so one guy calls me yesterday. And he, he was pissed, real pissed. He goes, do you know they're not having a weigh and measure at the East-West game? I said, no. He goes, yeah, Galco sent out a thing today. I said, I didn't know. I said, but I'll talk to him. And so he goes on. We got to have that. You know, it's part of the evaluation process. You want to see the body types, yada, yada, yada. Right. I said, I, I get it. I, you know, I, I said, I will call him. 
I wasn't off the phone with this guy for three minutes. And the phone rings again, and it's Ballard. And <laughs> same thing. Oh, my goodness. And, and so it's, <laughs> I said, let me talk to Eric, and I'll call you back. And, and so I, I call Eric. He goes, Greg, nothing I did. That came from the league. Really? The NFL? The NFL. East-West Senior Bowl Combine. Done with the way to measure. They're going to do it privately. Oh, so they're not going to have every single person in the media and scouts and an auditorium. Well, the media never the media never saw it at the combine to begin with. That's correct. Right. And and years ago when I started in the league, the media never saw it. Mm. It was strictly team personnel. Uh, but you know, they're they're one player in particular has tweeted out a few times and it's it's Cap, Kaepernick, you know, about how demeaning it was. And it was like, it was like slavery where we're the slave and they're the, 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 the slave buyers Jesus. at the auction. And, and it was like, give me a fucking break. <laughs> this is so silly. It's just gotten so unbelievably silly with some of the complaints. Uh, and I'm a liberal, and but political correction has gone way overboard. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, it's, you know, like, like Chris was saying, we want to see what the guy's body looks like. Absolutely. Is he fat? Is he tight? Does, you know, like, a, like an offensive lineman, does he have wide hips, wide shoulders, a big bubble? Mm-hmm. These are all things you want to see. It's in growth potential, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you know, they, they, part of it, they would measure wrist and ankles. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at, at, at the combine and, and cause you're trying to figure out, okay, this guy's 290. Can I get him to 315? And he's not going to be too heavy or too fat at 315. You know, and, and, and there's a lot of science that's involved in some of this stuff. And, mm-hmm. and so, what they're going to do now is they're going to do it privately, videotape it, and send it to the teams. Do you think that might be because of COVID concerns? You know, no, no, huh? No, it nothing to do with COVID. It, it's what I said. You know, people. There, there's some players that complain, and I guarantee you it's about not even not even close to a dozen. Oh. Somebody, there he is. Fido's pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I feel sorry for that guy. <laughs> Wait, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna shut the door. Just you go right here. ahead. <laughs> you go right ahead. I'm gonna let people know that tonight, Danny Shimon and I are going to be right here at uh, on the uh, Barroom Network here on our YouTube uh, channel, and we're going to look at some tape of Justin Fields and talk about his progress uh, to date, and uh, we'll also play some of the interviews. Mm-hmm from the uh, defensive and offensive coordinators. So we'll react to that and hopefully react to your questions. Hopefully you guys can join us here tonight at 9 p.m. Central. It is Bear Truth with Danny Shimon and myself. What'd you talk about when I was gone? Well, we, you know, Danny is looking at tape right now as we speak of Justin Fields. So he wanted to break down that last drive uh, against the Steelers to talk a little bit about his progression and stuff. And as you know, D- Danny was one of your pupils. So he, he tends to know what he's talking about sometimes. Uh, Dan, Dan, Danny's good. 
<laughs> he is good. Um, all right. So right now, this team is headed towards mediocrity. <laughs> but is any chance for us diehard Bears fans, any chance you could see this team sneaking into a playoff spot? Well, it starts this week. You got to win. That, that uh, you know, it, 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 it's real simple, Aldo. <laughs> you got to take one game at a time. You got to win this week. <laughs> then you got to have a good two or good day of practice and win next Thursday. <laughs> okay? And then you got to you know, and I, I I think if they lose this week and they lose Thanksgiving, it's all over. Oh my! But gosh. yeah, but it. it I, I I already said what I thought. I think Detroit's going to be a little tougher game than than a lot than experts think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think this game is is winnable. I don't I don't think the Ravens are are quite as good as what they were expected to be. Mm-hmm. And so I I just think you know Miami gave them all they can handle. Miami stinks, you know. So. It's not that not not that the Bears are are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but it's still it it's it's a home game. You're gonna have a home crowd, and what we gotta see is as good as as well as Justin has played the last two games. It's really been the second half that he's come on. That's right. He hasn't played four quarters yet. We 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 got to see some stuff in the first half in the first mm-hmm. quarter. Now they've gone down and they've, they've scored a couple times, you know, field goal or touchdown, but you got to put, you, you got to put 14 or 17 points up in the first half. I wanted to ask you about the wide receiver position. I've been down on those, uh, the third stringer, fourth stringer, fifth stringer, the lack of depth at the wide receiver position. But could I be off a little bit here? Could this just be uh, the issue of the rookie quarterback, just like, he is, just like he is with A-Rob, trying to find that timing and so forth? So maybe those guys aren't as bad as I've been proclaiming them to be. Uh, you know, I think – uh, Goodwin, you look at him, like he's made some couple big plays. Right. Probably there's a few more out there for him. He, he just, you know, you got a guy who's got can't see all the field yet. Mm-hmm. Or he's mm-hmm. just starting to see all the field and 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 being able to spread the ball around and get the ball to these guys. It, it's a matter of being fans are by nature are very, very impatient. And <laughs> and you got you got you got what you wanted. Now you got to go with the ups and downs of it. You got to be patient. Mm-hmm. You know. So, but to get with your makeup in, in the wide receiver room, your first three and probably your first four, you're going to keep on talent. Five and six. Those guys got to be able to play play special teams, and mm-hmm. four's got to be able to play some teams. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you could have a lesser talented player be your fifth receiver, maybe even your fourth receiver, 
because he's far better than the more talented guy when it comes to special teams. Yep. He can tackle. <laughs> or, yeah, he can block. He can tackle, whatever. He can cover. He, he can get off of blocks when he's running downfield. Mm-hmm. He's, he's tough. So that's part of the makeup. And, and you know, you'll see guys get cut. Mm-hmm. How do you get cut? Well, because he wasn't worth a damn on special teams. That's why. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and and so, and, and, and that's your makeup. And, and people always forget about that. That, that you know, that, that's a very, very important part of the, the game. And you got to have the right guys on your roster. You got to have about five or six guys that are on that roster for one reason only. And that's playing specials. Yeah, guys like Ryan Nall, right? He's he's That's a right. special teams guy. Yeah, well, I, you know I I don't care what uh, Cordelli Patterson has done down in Atlanta. That guy was a hell of a teams player. Mm-hmm. You know, he covering kicks, returning kicks. I mean, that he's a Pro Bowler mm-hmm. as a special team player. Um, Dented Fender, actually, we, we kind of talked about this earlier. Dented Fender wanted to know how come Newsom isn't getting a look. And uh, you, you're, you said earlier that you are hoping that he might get a look in, in the games ahead. I, I, I think part of it is you know, his, his only special team's value right now is as a returner, and they got better guys. Mm-hmm or at least they think they got better guys. <laughs> um, and number two is the adjustment to playing wide receiver in the NFL for some is huge. And I just don't think he's, you know, the, what, my thinking is that the coaching staff feels he's not ready. Yeah. And so that's why he's on the practice squad. And he missed a lot of time in preseason because of that injury, right? Yeah, yeah. He yeah. he missed some really valuable time. And and going and that goes back to OTAs and, and minicamp also. Mm-hmm. You know, he missed a lot of valuable time. So um you know the, the the rookie year for him might be a wash. Now again, you get yourself you get knocked out of the playoffs mathematically knocked out of the playoffs, maybe say, okay, let's find out what Des Ferguson can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last question I have for you is we've talked about this before, the new rule that allows NFL teams, if they get permission from uh, the team that the coach is currently at, that they can start to interview uh, uh, candidates for head coaching jobs. So last two weeks, last two weeks. So um, if Bears management is wavering on the GM, but want to get a head start on talking to coaches, would it be possible? Do you foresee this in any, any, is there any possibility that Ryan Pace could begin the interview process, but not finish it? That's possible. Wow. You know, it's weird. I think that, you know, and I may be totally wrong. I think they're tied to the hip. And so if you're going to get rid of one, you're going to get rid of both. So then who does the interviews? Mm-hmm. And in a case like that, then you, you get somebody from the league 
an expert from the league, like Ernie, of course he did, and who helps you out with that. Mm. And and then go from there. I mean, I, I already know who I, if, if I was going to bring in a coach, I got my 1A and 1B. I know who 1A is, the guy from Buffalo, right? And 1B is is the defensive coordinator of Tampa. Oh, yeah, Todd Bowles. Yeah. Todd Bowles. I, I've worked with Todd. I know how good Todd is. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and Todd, I think, deserves a chance. Todd is a disciplinarian, too. You aren't going to see mental mistakes with Todd Bowles. Because mm-hmm. he'll, he'll kick your ass if you make mental mistakes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's the kind of coach I want in Chicago. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he, he's not a, a Ditka. No. Yeah, but, I, don't, I don't want that. He, he's... he's He's a hard, he can be a hard ass. Yeah. You need that. You know, NFL players, and you know this, so correct me if I'm wrong, but NFL players, most of them need a good kick in the ass every once in a while. You know, the game is hard to play. It's physically grueling and you got to push guys and you got to kick them in the ass and you got to yell at them and you got to scream at them. And every once in a while you get a guy that you got to talk soft and tender to, but for the most part, they all want their ass kicked, right? It, it, well, it's changed since I played. That, that brought it, it just reminded me of a story, though, because I, I had a coach who every Friday used to just kick my ass. Really? Yeah. Only because the first time he did it, I played really good, you know, the next day. And so <laughs> he's like, oh, well, I guess I got to do this all the time. And finally, I told him, I said, hey, coach. I said it goes in one ear and goes out the other. It worked once. I know what I got to do. You know, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, once is enough, Coach. <laughs> you did it to me once. I got the message. That's all I need. <laughs> all right. So we got you on record as saying that you got a really good feeling about the Bears beating the Ravens. You got a? Do you predict scores? Do you ever go that far when 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 talking talking about forecasting? No, because I. You know, weather plays so much into it. Yeah. And and I always look at the forecast. And right now, the preliminary forecast is mid-40s. And it said it says showers ending in the morning. Hmm. But it's Thursday. Does that, you know, come Sunday morning until 2 o'clock? Mm-hmm. You know, so who knows? But weather will, will play into it. Uh, you know, Baltimore coming here at 46 degree weather, that's not good. Oh, it's going to be, it, it could be the same thing in Baltimore this time of year. Remember a, a few years ago, well, it wasn't a few years ago because I was still working for the Bears. Um, we had to go to Baltimore in a December game and there was like two and a half feet of snow on the ground in Baltimore. Hmm. Wow. That's not fun. And, yeah. So, you know, they can get the same kind of weather you get here. They just don't get it as often. Now, when I was with, you know, D.C. and the XFL, you know, I was expecting some cold weather in the spring. I don't think we ever practiced in 30-degree weather. It was always in the 40s and 50s. <laughs> and that was in February and, and beginning of March before the league folded. Mm-hmm. Hey, our good friend Don Burrs, and he's a he's a diehard Detroit Lions fan, and he Poor really guy. likes <laughs> he really likes his coach Dan Campbell. He says he's the best coach in the NFC North. 
What are your thoughts on Dan Campbell now that you've seen him coach nine games with an 0-8-1 record? You know, he's a – first of all, I know Dan Campbell. We drafted him in New York when I was there. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that once. Yeah. You know, so, and I mean, he probably wouldn't remember me if I – hey, Dan, how you doing? You know, because that was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, you know, 24, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. But – you know he's he's got that grit to him that fans love because he's your, he's your proverbial tough guy, right? Okay, so fans really like that. But in the NFL, as a results business, what have you done for me lately? And they haven't done anything. You know now, part of it is they're already figuring out that Goff can't play. That's right. Is that is that Campbell's fault? No. Nope. That's the GM's fault. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the GM had him in in, uh, in L.A. And yep. as long as we're talking about that, we can talk about Stafford because he's peed down his leg the last two games too. And and you know for the Rams, right. Stafford's, you-, you know, every, Stafford was the talk of the league. Oh, he's going to be MVP. Yeah. Well, he threw two picks on on. Monday night, you very easily could have thrown five or Sunday night. You You detected this about him when he was in college, that he just didn't have the mental fortitude to to play at a high level consistently. In big games. Right. They didn't win big games. Yeah, that's a problem. (laughs) I mean, it goes back. He did not win an SEC title. Yet back then, and and Alabama was not dominating when he was at Georgia. Mm -hmm. You know, just go – Check the record books and see who was in Alabama then. And, you know, Saban was just getting there. And they're just starting to put that program together. So, uh, but Matthew Stafford, you know, I may be wrong in this. I don't even think he got him to an SEC championship game, let alone an SEC championship. I may be off on that one. I used to know for sure. Uh, But I just have always thought that he's, He's a pretty quarterback. He puts up great numbers. Mm-hmm. Especially but, in the fourth quarter. <laughs> when, but when, when, when the game gets tough, he's nowhere to be found. <laughs> One last And question. I'm not saying he's a wuss mm-hmm. I, I, at all. I'm just saying that, you know, he, throughout his career and going back to college, when he's got a win, he doesn't win. Mm-hmm. What do you, uh, somebody in the chat room, who was it? Uh, oh, it was Dented Fender. He was talking about Lovey Smith's teams. They were disciplined. Tell us about how uh, disciplined those Lovey Smith teams were. Well, it, it's something you worked on in practice, you know, with Lovey, and I, only because I saw it every day. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like turnovers. Lovey was huge on turnovers. Mm-hmm. And so they practiced forcing turnovers. Every day, when you got a seven on seven or 11 on 11 in practice, even there, you know, now when you, you, you don't have pads on, you just got shells and a helmet on, mm-hmm. those guys are still trying to strip the ball every single play. And so, what do we do? We force turnovers in a game because they practiced it. Yeah, that is so key. And, you know, since Lovey has been gone. I I haven't seen. Well, Fangio did it for a couple of seasons. It seemed like we really had a focus on turnovers, 
But boy, those lovey teams were just so great at really focusing in on, on turning over the ball. And of course, you know, Peanut Tillman took that to a whole nother level with this punching right. football. But you had, you had continuity too for mm-hmm. what, nine years or something? Yeah. But yeah. you know, basically playing the same scheme. And so you were looking for the, it made scouting a lot easier because you were looking for the same type of player. You know, we had a profile for each position at defense and, and there's guys that, you know, you could go into school and, and, and there could be a, uh, like a Ted Washington type. Mm-hmm. Forget about him. He wasn't going to play in that defense, yeah. you know, so you'd, you'd put a grade on him for, for the league and, and you got to give him his due if the guy's good or whatever, but you're right. You know, we used to have a plus nothing at all. We'd call that vanilla or a minus next to the guy's grade. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say it was a six, five plus six, five plus meant he was a fit for what we do. Okay. A six, five vanilla. So nothing after the, the five meant he's not a perfect fit, but we can live with him. Okay. And a minus meant, see ya. He can't play. He can't, not that he can't play. He okay. can't play in, in, in our scheme. Yeah. It's not a scheme fit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so we, it, all those guys with the minuses, mm-hmm. we get rid of those guys in the first week of December mm-hmm. when, when our scouts came in in December. Is it tough for scouting departments right now if they feel like this coaching staff could be totally different next season? You, you don't you don't know, you know, you're just drafting athletes. I mean, you're just scouting athletes and 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 yeah, well you're 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 grading them for their, their talent value. Right. Okay, so now like I just said, I said in December we'd eliminate a lot of those guys because they weren't fits, but it's not like you can you can resurrect them. Right. Okay. So all of a sudden you're going to, but when you do a scheme change, mm-hmm. you know, we got lucky. Let, let, let's go back because it, it, it's an interesting topic. So we got Dick Duran here and Greg Blotch was the defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And Greg's philosophy on defense was totally different than Lovey's. Mm-hmm. And his, even though we played a four-man front, it was really like the old three-four rules. In that, these guys were big two-gap players, and you know what I mean by two-gapper. Right, left so, and right. So, Keith Trailer, Ted Washington, Philip Daniels. Philip Daniels was the smallest guy, and he was about three fifteen. <laughs> You know, and then you had Alex Brown over on the, you know, over on the other side. And, and, you know, he was the pass rusher. But all the other guys were big two gappers. (laughs) And you didn't have the speed and the quickness that we had on defense. So now Lovey comes in and we know right away. I mean, you know, we got rid of Ted and and Trailer and Daniels that offseason. Because none of those guys could play in Lovey's scheme. And, and what did we do in the first two rounds that year? Tommy Harris yes. and Tank Johnson. Nice. Nice draft. <laughs> you know, because you had to get those guys who could play defensive tackle in his in his defense. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't want a big nose tackle. Anthony mm-hmm. Adams was the nose tackle most of that time here. Anthony Adams weighed 300 pounds. <laughs> a little, little, little chunkier now. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Although, although I think he's actually lost a little weight. He, he's been doing yeah, all that dancing. I'll tell you, now that was a very athletic guy. He's only 5'11 and a half, six feet tall, but he had long arms. Mm-hmm. So it allowed him to play taller, but very, very athletic. Hey, you can see of- that in his videos now. You can see some of that stuff. Yeah. The way he just moves around. He, very, very light on his feet. Very nimble. Mm-hmm. Hey, speaking of measuring arms, now that they're going to go to this private measurements of they're all still, these, They'll still do it. They, so are you confident that it's going to be done well? Because you've talked about that before, that it's almost like an art to measure. Well, I, I, I would think that like at the combine, you're still going to have the same people doing it. Gotcha. It's okay. just that it's not, it's not going to be in that room that was off to the side. It was, it was in like a, they had bleachers set up around it. Yeah. You know, there was a stage and then bleachers set up in, in a U type shape. And it was packed with coaches. I know what I'd be interested in seeing. What are they going to do with the, the speaking of doing things in front of a lot of people? Hell, what about the weightlifting? Yeah. That was the same thing. That was never open to the media. No, but the weight, the, the, the 225, that was, in fact, it was done in the same room <laughs> as, as it did of the, the way in measuring. Mm hmm. Uh, I got to squeeze in this question here. It's from Laz. He says, should the Bears hire a football guy over the GM, like John Elway is with the Broncos? And would it be beneficial to bring in an ex-Bear to the front office to instill some Bear pride? We've already talked about that in in previous shows. Mm -hmm. Um, The football, your GM is supposed to be your football guy. Ted Phillips, and I got no complaints with Ted Phillips at all. I know Ted very, very well. I know exactly what his job is. I I think I've said on this show, his office was directly across the hall from mine. I know what the guy did. You know, when I first got there, his job was getting Soldier Field done. Mm -hmm. That was the main, I mean, obviously, you know, everything else, you know, tickets and, and, and marketing, when, when you just look at all the, you know, the, the, the sweet sales, the marketing, all that so merchandise sales, that that's what Ted does. Yes. Okay. And, and he must be doing it very well. And now he's going to be getting that new stadium built. Mm-hmm. And he's already up to here in it. I guarantee it. <laughs> so he isn't going anywhere. Could you see, Given that Ryan Pace is credited with being responsible for that $100 million makeover of Hallis Hall, could you potentially see that as that was a training ground for Ryan Pace to maybe move up into that Ted Phillips position and no, handle? No. no huh? He just no, doesn't no. have the finance background like a Ted no, Phillips. I, right. No, that, and, and, you know, Ted's got a master's degree in business. Um from Northwestern went to Notre Dame and his master's uh, is from Northwestern. What's a Kellogg school of business. Is that yeah. the Northwestern? Okay. Yes, it is. So, um, and, and Ted's a, sh- a sharp guy. He, he gets hammered in the press. I think unfairly, um, 
I've never had any problems dealing with them. Mm -hmm. I know if, 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 you know, I had, I had to do my budget for my department and if something, so now we're four months into the, the budget year, five months into the budget year, and I need something that wasn't on the budget, mm -hmm. knock on the door, go and talk to them why I need it and um, why it would be important for us. And he'd either give it thumbs up or thumbs down, but I guarantee you 90% of the times it was thumbs up. Yeah, you got a sense that he was listening and and giving you a fair shot to present your facts, as opposed to somebody else who was saying, "No, I, you, you, the budget is final." I hate those right. people. Right? No, no, he was very, very flexible. That's good. That's and good. and when when you know a, a few days before the draft, Jerry and I, you know, Jerry had a conference room. We'd meet. There'd be uh, Ted, Jerry, and I, and we'd go over. This is our plan for the draft. He'd ask some questions. Okay. Can you think he of a, can can you never, think of a question that he asked? Can, can you think of a question that he might have asked? Well, do you know. think do you think you can get you think you can get this guy? Okay. Uh, so, or, or, you know, do we got to make a trade to get this guy? You know, just he'd ask. He, nobody'd ask fan questions, and I'm not degrading fans, yeah. but you know what I mean. Yeah. Right. You know, so he, that that's the type of questions he'd ask. But now when you, you're going to go out and sign a, a, a free agent and you're going to give them a, a contract like they gave Khalil Mack, mm -hmm. I guarantee he's involved, you know, and he's involved in yay or nay. Yeah. Right. What's, what's it going to cost us? Right. Because it, when the Khalil Mack uh, transaction was done, George wanted to know, well, how much of a percentage is Khalil Mack's contract going to take out of the salary cap? I would imagine that's one of the questions he would have been most interested in. Well, yeah, you're, you're looking at that. But don't forget, I mean, throw out COVID, the cap usually goes up every year. And yeah. now it's going to continue to go up. And, and it's going to go with new TV deals. It's going to really jump up. But they've got agreements with the NFLPA on, on um, because there was losses from a year ago that how they, they're going to basically spread that out a little bit. Mm -hmm. So for a couple of years, you're going to have the cap a little lower than in other words, you're not going to see the jump that you would normally see. And part of it was this year, you know, we're not even where we're, they were supposed to be last year yet. You know, and, and you usually get a $10, $12 million bump in the cap. Right. So you're going to start to see that come up again next year. But then after that, it's really going to skyrocket. Hmm. Um, last question. How many times have I said that? <laughs> Sorry. And I never get fucking overtime. <laughs> Not a penny. <laughs> um, do... Oh man, I forgot what I was going to ask. It was a good question too. Hey, now that's twice. You really are getting old. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I am. And my mom is starting to lose her, her memory too. So now I'm worried. <laughs> Can I actually beat her? <laughs> uh, what I was going to ask. Um, well, you know what? I'll save it for next week because it'll open up a whole write, new. Write it, down, write, write it down so you don't forget. 
then I'll forget where I wrote it down. <laughs> I got problems. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, you're the man, Greg Gabriel. Like uh, George said in uh, the chat that this is his weekly segment. And he also went on to say, you two guys should have your own radio show. Who do we call? Should we call Mitch Rosen over at the score? Sure. <laughs> okay. I'd rather go to ESPN, though. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll send them a demo tape of, of us. Uh, and then George asks, Aldo, do you have any crazy vacation stories from last week? Yeah, I'm going to share them on the Dan and Aldo show. That's where I can talk about my sex life and my bowel movement. I didn't even want to hear it. <laughs> All right, we will be back on our regular time next Monday around 2-ish. Uh, we want to try to squeeze victory, in that. Victory Monday. Yeah, Victory Monday. So uh, you heard I'm it here. Call, calling it now. All right, I love it. I shouldn't. Uh, I shouldn't do that because I'll I'll jinx the team. But I'm saying <laughs> yes. it right now. He didn't. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. <laughs> All right, Greg. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great weekend, and thank you everyone for listening in. There's one more show on the docket, one new live show, and that's uh, with Danny Shimon tonight at nine o'clock. So hopefully you guys can join us then. Greg, we'll see you next week, brother. Okay, buddy. Bye bye. Talk to you later. Bye bye. Thank you.